Thank you for joining us. Remember, you can watch our services live and view our archive at StevensCreekChurch.com, the Stevens Creek app, or on our Roku channel. And if our ministries have touched your life, we'd love to hear about it. Send us an email to mystory@stevenscreekchurch.com. We hope today's message encourages and inspires you. Enjoy the message. Well, I'm so glad that you're here today. I'd like to welcome all those watching online. I'd like to welcome those in our South Campus. Welcome those uh, in our Grovetown Campus. It is a great day to be in the house of the Lord. You know, I like to start with something funny. Did you hear about the country grandma that went out on her front porch every day to thank the Lord for his blessings on her life? She had a, a neighbor that didn't believe. In fact, he was an atheist, and he would yell, I said, oh, I said, you're just wasting your time. There's nothing, uh, there's no such thing as the Lord. Well, a few days later, he overheard this woman asking God for groceries. So he made it a point to go to the grocery store and to buy some groceries for her. So the next morning, she came out and said, oh God, thank you so much for the groceries that you have provided for me. He yelled, I said, that wasn't God, that was me. I bought those groceries for you. And she said, God, thank you so much for these groceries and that you made the devil pay for them. (laughs) Well, once again, I'm glad you're here. And today we're beginning a three-week series on the last days of Jesus on this earth. Um, And during this time, you'll see how uh, he really lived out his mission uh, through, live, uh, through the power of God's Spirit and through loving people. In today's message, I want to shine the light on the story of Lazarus and his two sisters, Mary and Martha. In John chapter 11, Mary and Martha sent word uh, to Jesus that Lazarus, their brother, uh, needed prayer. Jesus got the message, and he waited two days before he would go see Lazarus. From their perspective, Jesus was late because they were anxiously waiting for him uh, to show up. You know, most of us here in this room and watching, we hate to wait. But all of us have things that we're waiting for. Maybe you're waiting for a dream to come to pass. Maybe you're waiting for a, a a solution to come to your problem. Or maybe you're waiting to meet the right person. And something takes longer than we expect. It's easy to get discouraged. It's easy to become impatient. It's easy to think, um, when is it ever going to happen? But sometimes it's not happening because we are not ready for what God has prepared for us. I mean, you're ready for what you think ought to happen, but could it be that God has something so much bigger for you that if you received it very it right now, you couldn't even handle what God has for you? You need time to grow. You need time to develop. You need time to gain experience. The scripture says in James chapter 1 and verse 4 that let patience have its perfect work. Patience is developed in the waiting room. This past week I had an annual checkup. And so I spent time in the doctor's waiting room. And it was like everybody in that waiting room 
Everybody was sitting on the edge of their seat waiting for their name to be called. When, when the door opened and the, the nurse uh, peered out, it was like we all flinched thinking that we're the next one in line. We were all anxiously waiting for the name to be called. Patience is developed in the waiting room. Maybe you feel like you're in the waiting room, that you feel like you're in God's waiting room. You've been praying, you've been believing, you've been being your best, but you don't see anything changing. And it's so easy in these moments for you to give up. But I just want to encourage you today. I want you to be patient. I want you to be patient because you are in the waiting room. You're not missing out. You're not falling behind. God has you right where he wants you. I believe that your answer is on the way. I believe that you're right where you are supposed to be. Your answer is on the way. It is on schedule. So many times we think about the moments that we spend in the waiting room, and we see that as a negative. We don't like to be there because we want to see progress. If you're like me, I want to see things happen. And when it seems like I've been sidelines, I don't see any of that happen, and I get frustrated. You see, I'm interested in the destination, but God is interested in the journey. God is working behind the scenes in my life, and I believe he's working behind the scenes in your life, encouraging us to be patient as he does his best work. Here's the big idea for today's message. With God... A waiting season is never a wasted season. Here's the big idea. With God, a waiting season is never a wasted season. So with that in mind, we pick up the Bible and we open up to John chapter 11, and we're going to read the story of a man named Lazarus. Now, a man named Lazarus was sick, And he was from Bethany, the village of Mary and his sister Martha. So the sisters sent word to Jesus, Lord, the one that you love is sick. When he heard this, Jesus said, this sickness will not end in death. No, it is for God's glory so that God's son may be glorified through it. Now, Jesus loved Martha and her sister and Lazarus. So when he heard that Lazarus was sick, he stayed where he was for two more days. Now, in this passage, we see Lazarus, who is a very close friend with Jesus. And in this story, we see that Lazarus became deathly sick. I mean, we're talking about sick sick. We're not talking about an infected uh, toenail. We're not talking about a pollen allergy here or something like that. Lazarus was seriously sick. He was deathly sick. Now, Jesus was in another city. So Mary and Martha sent word to have Jesus come to their house and to pray for their sick brother. 
Now, they had seen Jesus open the eyes of blind people. They had seen Jesus turn water into wine. They knew that Jesus could do miracles, and they needed a miracle. So they sent word to Jesus so they would come and pray for Lazarus. So when he heard Lazarus was sick, he stayed there where he was two more days. And then he said to his disciples, let us go back to Judea. So by the time he gets to Lazarus' house, it had been four days. Scholars believe that it probably took a day for the messenger to get to Jesus. And then Jesus stayed there two days. And then it took a day for him to get from where they were to back to Lazarus' house. Four days. Mary and Martha, at this point, they were frustrated. They were scared. I mean, put yourself in their situation. Your brother is dying, and you're wondering where Jesus is. Didn't he get the message? Doesn't he care? Doesn't he know what's going on here? For most of us, the, the most frustrating part of faith is when Jesus is slow to answer our prayers. Have you ever been in that situation where you needed an answer? And you need an answer right now. And it seems like day after day after day, you cry out, God, would you come and answer my prayer? And every day it seems like there's no answer on the horizon, that he's slow in coming. And with each day, it seems like it is getting worse, and you start to question, and you begin to worry. If you've ever felt like that, then you know how Mary and Martha must have felt. And here's what we learn through situations like that, that God often uses delays to teach us what it means to trust him. That God often uses delays to teach us what it means to trust him. Look, none of us like slow seasons. We don't like to be in the waiting room, but this is the place where we learn how we can trust. God can see things you cannot see. He knows what he's doing. He knows what's best for you. And could this delay in your life be a part of the process for his glory to be revealed? Could this be a part where he is using this season to get you prepared for what he has already prepared for you. God's delays are not necessarily God's denials. In this season, you will not only learn how to trust God, but you will learn how to trust God's timing. In the Old Testament book of Ecclesiastes chapter 3 and verse 1, it says, for there is a time for everything and a season for every activity under heaven. In other words, there's an appointed time. There's an appointed time for specific events to incur in life. 
And oftentimes these events occur and as a result of God working behind the scenes when you may feel like it's, he is not working and things are out of control. You know, have you ever thought about it this way? If there is a right time for something to happen, that means that the other time is the wrong time. God always comes on time. It is not just enough to trust God, but we have to trust his timing. God knows when you're going to be ready. He knows when it's the right person. He knows when to open the door. He knows when, it turns, uh, when it's time to turn around. And if it's not happening, you've got to be mature enough to accept that it is simply not the right time. God knows when you're going to be ready, so trust him. Trust his timing. It's important to understand to walk with Jesus means that I trust the pace of his walk. To walk with Jesus means that I trust the pace of his walk. Now, Patty and I are walkers. We like to walk. We, like, we often walk in our neighborhood. And most of the time, Patty and I walk in sync with each other. Except, of course, on Sundays after preaching three times. We'll go on a walk on Sunday afternoon and, and she may get ahead of me. And she may say, do we need to rest? Are you okay? We can stop if you need to rest. That makes a man feel real good. <laughs> but on most days, we walk in sync. A few months ago, we, we ran, up, uh, ran into some creakers on our walk, and, and uh, we all walked together. Now, the next week, we saw them again, and they said, uh, hey, we don't want to walk with you because y'all walk too fast. And that's the truth. Sometimes we walk too fast. We walk too fast because we know that there's a bowl of ice cream waiting at the end of our walk. Chocolate cookie quarry yogurt from Publix. Now, Patty told me, I mentioned that before in her service, and even showed a picture of that. And soon after that, we went to the Publix, and they were all sold out. And she said, you did this. You told people at church about chocolate cookie quarry uh, yogurt, and because of that, we don't have any. So be careful uh, as you go by that this afternoon. <laughs> but the truth is, sometimes we walk too fast. Not just in our walks in the neighborhood, but sometimes I walk too fast in my life or in my spiritual life. I get hyper-focused on something and I rush into it. I get impatient. I get in a hurry. And there have been times in my life when I walk so fast that I run ahead of Jesus. Have you ever run ahead of Jesus? Have you ever pushed yourself into a situation that you were not designed for? The situation was not ready for you. You ignored the warning and you pushed ahead anyway. You walked too fast into that relationship. You walk too fast into that business deal. You walk too fast into that major decision in your life, and it was not the right time. It could have been the right decision. You may be in the right place, but it was the wrong time. You jumped ahead. 
that bottle of wine and that Barry White music put you in a place where you are not supposed to be. And if you're going to walk with Jesus, you must trust the pace of his walk. Don't run ahead and don't lag behind. Don't look to the left or don't look to the right, but wholly follow the Lord. Trust his timing. When Jesus heard that Lazarus was sick, he waited two days. When the timing was right, Jesus and his disciples made his way to Jerusalem. And when they arrived, it was worse than they thought. Lazarus was dead. Verse 17, on his arrival, Jesus found that Lazarus had already been in the tomb four days. Now, why does that matter? Jesus waited four days because he knew that the, the Jewish superstition of that said that a soul would stay near the grave. This is all superstition. Stay, would stay near the grave for three days hoping to return to the body. Therefore, it was accepted in their superstitious culture that after four days, there was absolutely no hope of resuscitation. So when Jesus arrived in Bethany, Martha came running out, and right off the bat, she starts blaming him for not being there and not answering her prayer. Verse 21, Lord, Martha said, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. If you had been here, if you had just come when we asked you to come, my brother wouldn't have died. Now, on the surface, it appeared that Jesus was late. Have you ever felt like God arrived late in your life? You prayed and you believed, but you didn't get the promotion. You worked hard and you had good performance reviews, but the company still let you go. You stood on God's promises. You quoted the scriptures, but your prayers didn't get answered. That's the way Martha and Mary felt. And they were discouraged. They were heartbroken. They were depressed. And they were probably a little bit bitter. And Jesus looked at him, them and said, where have you laid him? Jesus said, take me to the place where you buried him. In other words, take me to the place where you stopped believing Take me to the place where you decided it was all over. And that's what some of you are saying today. And that's God's message to you. Take me to the place where you quit believing. Take me to the place where you decided to give up. You decided that you'll never meet the right person person, that you'll never break that addiction, that you'll never have the right job. Take me to the place where you decided that your life will never get any better. I want you to go to that place. I want you to go to that place of disappointment. I want you to go to that place of, of desperation. I want you to go to that place of depression. I want you to go to that place. And I want you to ask, I want you to ask yourself this question. Is my God still on the throne? 
Is my God still all-powerful? Is my God still El Shaddai, the God who is more than enough? I want you to go to that place, and I want you to stir up faith on the inside of you. Jesus said, Mary, Martha, it looks bad, but it's not over. Notice what happened next. They went to the tomb and Jesus told them to roll the stone away. Pick it up in verse 38. Jesus, once more deeply moved, came to the tomb. It was a a cave with a stone laid across the entrance. Jesus said, take away the stone. But Lord, said Martha, the sister of the dead man, by this time, there's a bad odor, for it has been four days. Then we look at this story, and we see the stone that was laid at the entrance of the tomb. What could that represent in our lives? Could it be that that stone represents what you've given up on? You think it's been too long, it's too late, it's never going to happen? And you put a stone over that promise. You put a stone over that dream. And Jesus looked at them and said, you rolled the stone away. In other words, he said, you've got to do your part. You've got to go over there, and you've got to roll the stone away. You've got to put your faith into action. You've got to start believing again. And so they went and rolled the stone away. And it's interesting here, Jesus didn't go into the tomb. Jesus did not lay hands on Lazarus like he did the blind man and so many other people that he healed. This time, Jesus spoke. Jesus spoke in verse 43 when he uh, had said this. Jesus called out in a loud voice, Lazarus, come out. I love the King James Version. It says, Lazarus, come forth. And that dead man came back to life. And he walked out of the grave. Someone has commented that said that if Jesus had not said the word Lazarus, that every dead person in the world would have been raised because of the power of his word. Now we see why Jesus waited an extra two days. Here's the reason he was late. Jesus wanted them to experience more than a healing the sick miracle. He wanted them to experience a raising the dead miracle. The dead man came out. His hands and feet were wrapped with strips of linen and a cloth around his face. And Jesus said to them, take off the grave clothes and let him go. Now, typically, the grave clothes came in two parts, two pieces. One was wrapped around his head, and the other was wrapped around his body. Now, this man, Lazarus, is alive. He was dead, 
and now he is alive. But he was struggling with the grave clothes of death. Even though Lazarus was alive, even though God had done something amazing on the inside of him, he was still bound on the outside. When we surrender to Jesus Christ, he raises us from spiritual death to spiritual life. That's what it means to be saved. What I see in this verse is that Jesus not only wants us to be spiritually saved, but he wants us to live free from the grave clothes of our past. There are too many people who accept Christ's gift of forgiveness, but they are never set free from their past. Their past is forgiven, but they still struggle with the same issues that they have always struggled with. Now, the Bible talks about being saved, but it also talks about living a sanctified life where we surrender to the lordship of Jesus Christ in the practical areas of our lives. When we're sanctified, we're set free from the grave clothes. When we're sanctified... The old man is gone, and there's a new man that comes alive. Have you been sanctified? I grew up in a tradition that really pushed this uh, spiritual concept of sanctification. In fact, I can remember my... Uh, my grandmother, after I would have been saved, and I came forward and saved and baptized, and she said, son, you need to be sanctified. Because she understood that I needed a power greater than myself. She understood that I needed to be separated from my past life. Have you been sanctified? What are the things in your life that are holding you back from becoming the person that you were created to be? What are those things? I want you to write them down. I want you to name them. What are those things in your life that are holding you back? What have you lost control over? In what ways have you seen your life become unmanageable? Think about how it's affected your health. Think about how it's affected your relationships. Think about how it's affected your legal standing. What about those feelings of guilt? and shame, and remorse. And all the while, you've convinced yourself, well, all I need is a little bit more willpower. But what you need is a power that is greater than yourself. You need the power of the Holy Spirit so that you can be free uh, from the grave clothes. I want to go back to a point in the story before this miracle took place. Let's look at the moment when Martha was in the darkest place of her life. When it looked like it was too late, too far gone. In this moment, Martha, and maybe you skipped right through this. In this moment, Martha did something extremely significant. Go back to verse 21. 
Martha said to Jesus, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. Verse 22, but I know that even now God will give you whatever you ask. Notice those two simple words, even now. It looks impossible, but even now you can turn it around. He's been been dead four days, but even now you can raise him back up. I don't see a way, but even now you can make a way. There are times in your life when you will be like Martha and you will have to have some even now faith. God, the medical report doesn't look good, but I believe that even now you can heal me. My business is hanging on by a thread, but even now I believe that you can turn it around and you, I can prosper in this season. My marriage looks like it's over, but even now I believe that you can restore it. When it looks uh, like the odds are stacked against you, even now God can raise you up. Martha was saying, oh God, Jesus, it looks bad, but even now I've got confidence that you're going to have the final say. Some of you today have situations that look dead. They look impossible. The grave clothes of your experience are holding you back. Your health, your finances, your relationships, maybe that dream. And your mind is telling you over and over it's impossible. And those voices, those negative voices are saying, why are you even continuing to have faith? Why do you believe it's not going to happen? But I want you to be bold today. And I want you to understand the story and the message of this story. That even though it seems to be impossible, that God has the final say. And I believe that in Christ He will bring something good out of this situation. And in Christ, you can be set free. Hallelujah. You can be set free. So what is it? You made that list in your mind. And as we pray today, We're going to ask Jesus to touch us at the very point of our weakness, at the point of our struggle, at the point of our need. And we're going to say, Jesus, come, help me today. Help me. Jesus, come and heal me today. Jesus, I don't know if I can go another day. I don't know if I can hold on any longer. In our desperation, in our pain, in our struggle, we're going to call on the name of the Lord and we're going to believe that he is going to move in our lives and that he is going to change you right here and right now. So if you have faith to believe that, I want you to stand up in the presence of the Lord. And I want you to present yourself as a a place of receiving. Use your body language as a place of saying, God, I receive what you have for me today. Because you see, all of us struggle in one area or another. All of us need this power. All of us need this help. So let's call on the name of the Lord. Father, in the name of Jesus, we lift up our hands to you. 
And this is a sign of our surrender. Where we're saying, God, we're giving our lives to you completely. We're giving you our past. We're giving you our future. We trust, God, that you're going to save us today, that you're going to forgive us of our sins. But today we're also praying for you to sanctify us, for you to set us apart. Father, we're praying that you would release your power in us, the power of the Holy Spirit, the power that will give us the strength to press on. So come, Lord, fill us today. Fill us with your Holy Spirit. Come, Lord, pour out your presence on us. And today, Lord, we receive what you have from us. Say that. Say, God, I receive what you have for me. Say that again. Say, God, I receive what you have for me. In Jesus' name, amen. Let's praise him in this place. Hallelujah. Thank you for joining us. Remember, you can watch our services live and view our archive at StevensCreekChurch.com. If our ministries have touched your life, we'd love to hear about it. Send us an email to mystory at StevensCreekChurch.com.